0: Benny white white white, white, white 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 Benny white 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 <laughs>
1: Betty, you to start white. like that I knew it <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Boys in Red and White podcast my name is Tom Dow and I'm joined as always by my best friend Andre Grayson Hello Mr Dow Hello Mr Grayson and it's a uh, couple of weeks since we did a podcast but uh, all sorts has happened in the world of Arsenal but it's been a, a largely successful period which uh is very nice. Um, we're asked on a very nice run of form. Results are going our way. We're in fourth position with games in hand. Um, it's all going hunky dory, isn't it?
1: <sighs> Not a lot to complain about so far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so <laughs> hard. Right. Like, we, we, we obviously talk every day. And most of our conversations are about not getting ahead of ourselves <laughs> and trying to, <laughs> to harbour our expectations somewhat. But it's it's so difficult at the moment because everything seems to be going our way. Um, we're playing some nice football. We're getting results. And it's really hard not to get carried away with everything that's happening. But I think it's a, it's going to be a big, big few weeks. Um, but obviously we'll cover that throughout this podcast. Um. Now, Andre, where would you like to start? Because obviously the last time we recorded, we discussed a majestic away day um, at Wolverhampton Wanderers on a Thursday night. Um, And since then, we've been to all three of the games and we've had three victories. So where do you want to start?
1: Well, it doesn't get better than that, does it? Really? I mean, let's, let's, let's go back in time. Um to, to I remember you saying specifically on that podcast how important you felt the next three were. Um, and I remember trying to talk you off a ledge saying, you know, we could draw one of them. It'll be OK. And we have taken maximum points. I mean, if we just go back to Brentford, which feels like a lifetime ago. What I loved about it was I think it was the first time I'd seen us look like a team that knew they were better than the opposition and how to exert the pressure on them. Because whilst we didn't score in the first half, we didn't waste a first half. Many times under Arteta and definitely under Emery, first halves would just go and we'd all be going at (laughs) halftime. What was that about? Just nothing would happen. But we were shot after shot after shot. And then straight after halftime, the pressure told with Smith-Rowe... Saka Saka, once Pepe was on, moving over to the left with a sumptuous finish. And I don't know, I just felt that was the first time we looked like a team that belonged in the top six. I won't get ahead of myself and say top four, but I really felt that was almost, it was really, it wasn't a great game or anything. But it was very exciting to see that just dominance asserted, especially after what they did to us um, first game of the season.
0: Yeah, I think I think it was as routine a two-one victory as you're ever likely to see. Um, obviously, they they pulled a goal back really late on, which was a uh, poor defending from us and questionable goalkeeping by Ramsdale as well. But um, you 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 never really felt like there was any doubt, particularly once we went one 0 up, that we were going to go on to win the game. And that was that was really pleasing because it's not very often that you get to feel like that with Arsenal, um, particularly when the second goal went in. You thought, right, game over here. Um, so that was that was good. Um, I I really enjoyed that game purely because obviously it was a three o'clock on a Saturday and it's not too often that we get those. So obviously we I know we didn't spend uh, the pre-game together, but we did sit together for that game. Um, but it was nice to have a few beers before the game and then I, I i went and watched unfortunately in the pub after i watched uh tottenham beat man city which was a wholly depressing experience but uh, um but it was really nice just to have a day of football where you, you know you're not working the next day you know it's not a, a rush to get the train at the end of the game um and it was just a really a really pleasant day of football um so that was my takeaway from uh from the Brentford game, but obviously from a footballing perspective, it was just a very important to get the three points on the back of, um, of winning a Wolves uh, a few days earlier. Um, No, it was a week earlier, wasn't it? Uh,
1: 10 days earlier. Yeah. We made to wait a long time on that
0: glow. Yeah. So that was, that was really, really nice. But um, yeah, then obviously after that, we move on to uh, the Wolves game, which I know you were desperate to talk about. Um, in, in the immediate aftermath of the of of the victory because you texted me the morning after and said when can we pod I need to talk about this <laughs> um, and unfortunately it just didn't fit into either one of our schedules or anything so I think the further away we got from the result the more you sort of calmed down and weren't as desperate but now that you've got the platform what do you want to say <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wasn't that I tell you why I wanted to
1: talk about it so much it's because when all is said and done, that is what football is all about. We haven't been to every game in the last two and a half years for, for obvious reasons. Oh God, is it three years since it all began? Yeah. Two. Two, kind two. Yeah, I think it's two. Um, you know, we really missed it. And even when we had a light, late winner, I remember we podded after um, Yang netted against Benfica at the back post in the last minute and that was that was a bit more significant because it got us through a tie and that that euphoria just wasn't there but against wolves oh my god it was and it was jubilant scenes as that second one went in an explosion of noise i haven't really been in the emirates since probably barcelona at home where we we the oshavin goal where the the fans were with the team The whole time we pushed them on and I've never really there wasn't much moaning, even with the way we conceded and Wolves, you know, after they said the celebration things, how schneid they were, the substitution, the relentless time wasting, the gamesmanship. I don't like Wolves. I never have. I really don't like them. They're a horrible team to watch. We gave them a goal and it was like, oh, all the statistics about their record at 1-0 up at half time, our record at 1-0 down at half time. But I don't know, it got to about the 80th minute and I, I was sitting next to my brother-in-law and I said to Danny, I said, it's not happening today. I went, this is horrible. This is so frustrating. I just couldn't see it to the point when Pepe scored, even though I knew there was no way it was disallowed. I couldn't believe it had hit the back of the net. <laughs> But the minute it went in, I said, we're winning it. And I I said, we're winning it. And I knew it. I just felt it in my bones. We were going to make it count. And the, the, the wonderful joy of football, that that stupid substitution cost them the match, is poetic. And I have missed Arsenal doing that to teams. Think Wigan. For those of you who don't instantly know what I'm talking about, Henri <laughs> <laughs> ruffling the goalie's hair, time wasted. I remember there was a Norwich game as well. I think it was, I think it was, I can't remember, Declan Rudd, maybe. Is that even a player? I it just took so long and they were 1-0 up for so long. We beat them 3-1 and it was just, ah. Oh, fuck you and your fucking time wasting there's the <laughs> winner in ed- in the added time and it's just i'm literally pumping the air now i'm like <laughs> what i'm feeling i love it i just loved it it was it was honestly what football is all about I, 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 that game epitomizes why we love it so much and why i don't get how people don't love this sport
0: yeah, um, you've encapsulated uh, the whole event perfectly. <laughs> um, I I I sat with my brother for the for the second half, um, which is uh, was a really nice sort of uh, change of pace because obviously where my season ticket is, obviously I sit the opposite side of the stadium to Andre, and quite often we will go and sit round together if there's a spare seat. Um, but quite often uh, I'm 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 sat on my own in the east end, and obviously you're on your own in the west end. Um, so, obviously, you, you you sitting with Danny, me sitting with my brother Chris. It was a, a really nice opportunity to share that that moment, and I I don't think my brother was anticipating my reaction when uh, when uh, when Pepe equalised, but more importantly, when the winner went in, because obviously instant. Reaction is just jump on anyone you can see, um, go go berserk. And it was fantastic. And what made it even better is that I was in the process of recovering from a broken rib um, at that game, <laughs> which I obviously I told you about uh, after the first goal against Brentford, Andre. And you said oh, to yeah. me, you should have probably told me that before I jumped on you. <laughs> so, um. I, any pain that I did have went completely out the window and I paid for it the next day. I really, really paid for it <laughs> because my rib was in absolute bits on the Friday, <laughs> but completely worth it, completely worth it. Um, and I, I, I don't know, it just, I had people from work texting me when we were one nil down, rubbing it in. And I just thought, right, I'm not rising to it. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. Final whistle. I just sent a smiley face. That's all I needed needed to do. And it's like you said, that is what football is all about. Football is about those moments. And it's about, like you said, the poetic justice of that ridiculous substitution attempt to to waste time. And us capitalising on the additional stoppage time being added, which by the way, there should have been more. There should have been more than six minutes. I'm glad there wasn't, but there should have been based on the amount of time that Wolves did waste. And whilst we're on it, Obviously, you touched on it very, very briefly about the uh, the schneid comments about the, the over-celebration from our victory at Molyneux. From, uh, specifically, it was Ruben Neves and uh, Connor Cody that made the comments. And mm-hmm. I put on Twitter at the time, uh, regarding Connor Cody, well, you shouldn't have fucking lost the game then, you big baby. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you're that upset about a team celebrating a win, an important win, then you shouldn't lose the match then you've got nothing to worry about so i i it rankled me it really rankled me <laughs> i'm over it because we've got 6 points from them this season so fuck them oh exactly
1: exactly and i i can't resist but think about the the pain of the season before um with the david louise red card and just oh, yeah. how ridiculous that was um and if you mirror those, the home game against Wolves last season where we were totally bereft of confidence, where we were all over the place. We got ripped to shreds by Neto and Pedence. To, for us to be resilient, defiant, this team from a year on has come so far. It's actually
0: incredible how far it, really, it has come. It really is. It really is. And I, 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 I think the the fact we are where we are in the table and I've I said to you before the Watford game and obviously we'll come on to that in a in a little while I said to you before the Watford game that really if you look at the squads in the Premier League we should not be in this in this hunt for top four you look at what Man United have at their disposal and obviously it's, it's it's a squad that's been thrown together that doesn't seem to have any cohesion but Realistically, we shouldn't be in the position we are, and it's a testament to Mikel Arteta, his coaching staff, and these young players in our squad that we are where we are. Because it would have been very easy for a lot of these players to go to after, particularly after the start of the campaign with the three losses at the beginning, it would have been so easy for them to buckle and 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 not recover from that. But obviously, we've seen a huge outlay in terms of um, the squad progressing. Uh, with departures obviously we've got a bamiang that have gone players like Kalasanac who maybe were on the fringes but were players that certainly weren't capable of f- filling in when needed um and it's just it's just fantastic to see this squad developing as they are and it's it's just such a likable squad uh, i i like even players like cedric he's come into into um the right back position with tommy Essie being out and no one's going to pretend that Cedric is anything more than he is, and that is a player who's coming in to fill a gap. But it's just so easy to get behind all of the players that are in the squad, um, and he and he, I think, it embodies that because, of particularly, particularly when we celebrated the third goal right right in front of where we were in the uh, in the away end of Watford. Cedric was like front and center, <laughs> and, and he was just so into it well, with like, you. Yeah, and he was right in there. And what what I loved about it, it was just like it's so easy for squad players to be um, distant and maybe not feel as part of it. But that's I, that's another testament to Arteta that there's players that he does have within his squad. He's able to bring in do a role and then feel really part of it and really pumped up when something happens. So that's a uh, that's obviously my little Cedric praise <laughs> well
1: but, uh, you know you know I, I'm desperate for him to score
0: <laughs> every every game just for our listeners every game Andre's prediction is usually something about either a Cedric assist of some variety or more frequently. <laughs> Uh, a Cedric uh, daisy cutter, as you've described it <laughs> on many occasions.
1: Yeah, he's going to bang one in from 25 yards. It's a, it's only a matter of time. The thing is, would you rather, here's a question for you, would you rather shots comes out to the edge of the box, would you rather Thomas Partey's
0: hitting it or Cedric? Well, based on Mikel Arteta saying last week that you should see some of the shots he does in training, <laughs> you, initially, you think thinking Thomas Party, but I can't remember the last time he hit the target from outside the box.
1: I have to say, you, you were like this on on um, on Sunday. Obviously, we weren't sat together. Well, I know we haven't talked about the game, but when he put that left one just past the post, I said, "Oh, all this time he's left-footed," <laughs> because that's the only explanation I've got. Because it makes no sense with Thomas Party. It makes. No sense. Everything he does is magnificent. If you asked him to pass the ball from 25 yards, he'd do it perfectly. Why can't he shoot? It is insane.
0: You ready for some stats?
1: Um, I'm always ready for stats.
0: Okay. Thomas Partey, and this was sent to me by my brother, Thomas Partey has taken 38 shots this season. 31 have been off target. (laughs)
1: No. He's, I, mean, he's, I can't actually picture... I can picture one against Tottenham that was on target. He's obviously scored a goal. I can't
0: I can, I can picture the other ones that were on target, but I can picture one uh, away at Everton that went into the upper tier. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but then someone's broken it down and said he's made 20 appearances too. So statistically, Thomas Partey, a defensive midfielder, boots the ball over the bar 1.55 times a game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And you know what? It feels it. And the thing is, people still
0: shout, shoot! (laughs) My favourite thing about that is whenever I'm with you and someone shouts it, you just shout, don't encourage him!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Gets a laugh every time.
0: He does get Um, a laugh every time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. So we touched on it there. Um, obviously bumped into you on Watford High Street heading to the game, which was a a pleasant treat, you and and Mick. Yes. Um, And, you know, I had very conflicting emotions during the Watford game because, you know, they scored after 16 seconds and it looked clearly offside, but these days you just don't know. And when I watched that back later, I mean, it is close. It did not look it, but... You know, he could have been on. And I just felt there was a, a, it was Arsenal of old. Unbelievable, irresistible going forward, but terrifying at the back. Yeah. And it is almost the antithesis of what we've been. Um, And I I actually think it's because Watford are not great. Um, I was going to say terrible, and that's maybe a bit unfair. I just think they're not a very good team. And when you're up against not a very good team, I don't think we were as switched. I'm either really worried about this or really thrilled that they felt they just could blast them and score them off the park. I'm sort of unsure how I feel. But what a set of Arsenal goals. So good. I mean, I couldn't quite appreciate just how marvellous the Odegaard and Saka ones were. Because they were at the other end. Yeah. But I had, you could, Odegaard, and the thing is, for those that aren't, uh, don't go to games, at home, obviously, when we're up a tier, you can see it better. But that boy works so hard to create the space he's in. He is relentlessly moving to create space, pressing, closing down. But he is, he is. Honestly, I I don't know. You know how we like to not get ahead of ourselves. It's the same with players. He is unbelievable. He is... uh, This was actually on another podcast I listened to, but I'm going to ask you, who would you swap him for? Would you swap him for anyone in the league in the next five seasons?
0: Well, I just... I just... I I, I, I seem to text you most weeks and just say Martin Odegaard is unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. And he's just getting better and better and better. And what's brilliant is he combines that work rate with that attacking flair that is so majestic. So you look at some of the touches that he does. Okay, you can question the, for, the, for the opening goal whether he means that flick or not. But... You also look at the, the touch he does for the third goal into Lacazette's feet, and then obviously it gets laid off to Martinelli. And it's just it's just fantastic to watch. And I think I texted you on um, just after the game, just said he just doesn't seem to ever lose the ball. Like, he's so secure in possession. And this just goes back to, like, look, I remember Old Trafford, um, and we were saying that he looked off the pace, he didn't quite look like he'd adjusted mm. to, the, uh, to the speed of English football. And since then, he's just come from strength to strength and he's got better and better week on week. And I just can't get enough of him. I absolutely love him. And I, going back to your question about who we do, I swap him with, I wouldn't swap him because I think the ceiling he has is so high for what he can achieve. And I think the the fact that he's got this consistent home now that he can um, thrive in. And he keeps keeps speaking about that in the press, about how he feels like he's found a home, how he feels um, settled. And I think that's so important to a player. And obviously, for a player as talented as him, it's just, it's it, we're so fortunate to have him.
1: Yeah, we, we really are. But the, the thing that's setting, I think, has set him alight and has set um, this man alight is his combination with... Uh, Bukayo Saka, yes. because, you know, one of my friends, he won't mind me saying, thinks, uh, basically hasn't forgiven Saka for the England penalty miss. <laughs> and he keeps saying he's not very good. And every week after he inevitably scores or assists, I just send him a smiley face. And, and you know, but Saka and Odegaard is... Uh, it... it, it it's not obviously this level. I mean, it's, it's football's so different now, but it is kind of a little bit Pires and Henri. Yeah, it's so different because positionally it doesn't quite work. And Saka's never going to score as many as Henri. Uh, well, I hope he does, but um, <laughs> but but just the, the way they combine, quality players getting close to each other, combining will always create chaos. And Watford couldn't live with it. And it was just wonderful. And it felt like we could score any time we wanted. And that almost sort of played into the sloppiness defensively. And I thought we actually were quite sloppy in attack. There were so many counters, we could have made count more. But I think it's coming for this team. I really do. Um, And just touching on the third goal. I mean, when when you're in form, when when you're playing badly, um, you don't score that goal. It's all one touch. It starts with Arteta. (laughs) with <laughs> a brilliant pre-assist we, we, by the way,
0: just to interrupt just uh, just quickly um, I've <laughs> absolutely loved some of the reactions to that and some of the newspaper articles from former referees saying that he shouldn't have been allowed to stand, I love it oh. we're back, we're <laughs> bloody well back
1: <laughs> well I think judging by referees, I mean what, what can you say because we should have had a penalty yet yeah. again um, never mind I mean, what's going to come first? Party scoring outside the box or us getting a penalty? Interesting one. Cedric um, scoring. <laughs> that's going to happen next week. You, you, you heard it here first. Cedric Suarez is going to belt one in against Leicester. Um, but that Martinelli goal, oh my God. Oh my God. Every touch is unbelievable. That finish where he sends Foster the wrong way is just ah oh, in front of the bus. Oh, I haven't exploded in 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 such like oh my god what a goal because it's a different celebration it's sort of like Wah! as opposed to the more you know bellowous yes you, yeah everyone knows what I'm talking about but that was a good example <laughs> if I say so myself <laughs> it was it was so 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 good and uh, you know I've been feeling we're really missing Smith Rowe at the minute I really feel as though Smith Rowe in the front three instead of Martinelli we look a better team. But when Martinelli does that, I remember why I love him because no one else scores that goal on our team. Um, He is just a predator and that boy has goals in him. Um, And it's a lovely, lovely problem to have, you know, Smith Rowe's been out. I think Smith Rowe has been one of our, has probably scored more important goals than anyone this season scored the most as well, you know, so we can't knock that. And he's almost forgotten about, but, when you see Martinelli do that, that's why.
0: Yeah, yeah. Gabby is certainly—he's uh, just special, isn't he? And it's just—we're so, yeah. so lucky to have players like Bukayo Saka, like Gabriel Martinelli, like Emil Smith like Martin Odegaard, and they're all of that age where hopefully they can just grow and blossom together. Um, and it's just—it's—it's it's really exciting. It's really, really exciting. I just hope and pray we can keep them together by hopefully delivering champions league football and adding to that squad in a really constructive way, because there's been, you look at the players we brought in in the summer and I know we've, we've sort of touched on that to death since, um since the summer, but there was obviously an age profile that we were going for. And they've all fit into this squad really, really well. Um, and, Long, long may it continue. And you almost forget that we've signed obviously exciting players like Samby Lekonga. I, I, I'll be honest, I completely forgot about him until the other day. Um, <laughs> and you've got Nuno Tavares who came in, and these are players that are, that have come in to sort of pad out the squad. And I think now we're starting to see, particularly with Samby Lekonga, we're starting to see the role that he was brought in to do. He was brought in to be an understudy to our first choice midfield. But because of, obviously, suspensions, injuries, Africa Cup of Nations, he was required to play a lot more than I think we probably would have liked him to play this year. And Mm -hmm. I think now that we've got a settled team, I think that can only be a good thing for players like that because it can give those younger players an opportunity to grow and develop without having that pressure on them to have to perform immediately.
1: I totally agree. And it, 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 it... It's just a testament to um, the best-looking Spaniard I know.
0: That's another thing I did want to bring up as well, actually, because <laughs> I, it, it felt like a real shift in the away end on the, on Sunday because there was a lot of love for Mikel Arteta. Um, I heard, obviously, that song you just referenced there. Um Mikel Arteta's Red and White Army, we heard that a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's just it's so nice to see this cohesion. And we've spoken earlier in the season about this cohesion between the fans and the players, and it's building week on week. And the media are fucking hating it. They are <laughs> really, really hating it. Because I, li- I listened to Talk Sport the other day, and they I don't know why. I don't know why. Don't ask. Don't ask. But I listened <laughs> to it the other day, and they were just pounding Arsenal after we'd beaten Watford. And just saying, Arsenal fans getting ahead of themselves as always. And I was just like, I don't think in general we are getting ahead of ourselves. Because I think most of us have harboured expectations that, okay, we're in a situation now where it's getting very nervy in terms of the running and things like that. And we're in a very good position. But I think Arsenal fans realise that this is probably ahead of schedule in terms of where we are at right now. And I think most realistic Arsenal fans understand that. And I don't think, I I think the press are just, they're waiting for Arsenal to to implode. And I just hope and pray that we don't because it will be so, so nice to be able to just have that smug look on your face to be able to go, you know what? We haven't, we haven't fucked this up. We have not fucked this up. Um, And it's still, I, I think this is a hangover of like the latter Wenger years and obviously Unai Emery's tenure. Um, there's still that little thing in the back of my head that's saying, you know what? It's going to happen at some point. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And the weeks keep ticking by and we keep picking up wins and it's not happening, which is Hmm. concerning me.
1: (laughs) I I, I know. I know. I'm still not daring to dream yet. No. You know, uh, because I've been, Texting you regularly about fixtures and and what I think will be rearranged. I forgot Leicester have a game on Thursday.
0: Massive,
1: you know, which helps us a lot with a week to prepare. You know, I I think that Villa Liverpool at home. You know, I hope I'm wrong, but I just can't see anything but a two nil loss. I hope we don't pour too much emotion into it. Is my honest feeling. I would honestly say to if I was Mikel Arteta, free hit guys. Yeah, you know. They are racking up the games, Liverpool. Absolutely racking them up. We do not need to get emotional. We do not need a red card. We do not need an injury. Play it sensible. Play full throttle. Play to win. But we don't need to win that match. No. Fucking absolute bonus. Anything other than a sort of loss, obviously. A point would be incredible. We should really do the business against Leicester. You just never know. I saw Vardy's out for a few weeks yeah. as well. So that's that's a relief because if they were going to beat us, him scoring is always an extra dagger. I'm hating the look of this Villa away game. Hating every... It, it, it's got... That's the one I worry about. Yeah. And then, you know, Palace away be tough, but who knows Vieira? Come on, mate.
0: Do it as a solid, Patrick. <laughs> do us
1: a solid, mate. Drop Gallagher. Um, <laughs> 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 um but, but, but then it gets quite interesting with fixtures because if Southampton beat Manchester City in the FA Cup, which is unlikely, that weekend, which would be our next game after Palace, becomes free. And, of course, Tottenham are knocked out as well. So it, it could well become the North London derby mid-April, which I quite like. I don't want that game in May because if they are in touching distance... The momentum that could generate, obviously we could kill them. But we don't need to go into that game with it being all on the line. Not at their ground. That would be, uh, stresses me out. And we really, I mean, I'm really hoping Man U have got got the magic in their boots from nowhere on on Saturday. I think Man U win that, that makes a huge difference. Because they haven't got many difficult games left, Spurs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's. I I, I don't I don't want to do it. I don't want to. I don't wanna analyse the table. I don't want to analyse fixtures. It's just.
1: <laughs> it's it's so I, I, stressful. Yeah, I mean, I've had a look, and I really think everyone's got a similar run. And there's even things like Spurs' last two games are Burnley and Norwich, and either that means absolutely nothing. Or that's two teams fighting for their lives. And it's almost like. But then sometimes I remember when Newcastle were down and they beat Tottenham 5-1. You just you can't predict how easy or hard these fixtures will be. Yeah. And all I can say is Arteta's coming up with game plan after game plan, making tweaks, making adjustments. We've got players in form. At this point, we just gotta pray. Because if we if this team continues to grow and develop if we keep seeing impacts off the bench like we got from Pepe and Eddie and Smith Rowe comes back in and hopefully Tommy Asu you know then I really think we can we can get this done but even if we don't the fact we're talking about this and it's you know coming up to the middle of March is beyond expectation and I think that's that's my biggest takeaway from this season we're daring to believe again and I think that's all we could have ever asked
0: Absolutely, absolutely. We are in a position we didn't expect to be in. Um, I'm sure if you go back through the podcasts we've recorded, um, neither one of us were optimistic of a challenge for top four, particularly after the first three games. And obviously, we've as as many Arsenal fans, we've teetered on the on the whole Arteta in Arteta out argument throughout the season, because obviously it's been very difficult at times to see um, the change, if it's happening or if it's consistent enough. But you just have to look at our recent form. We've won eight out of the last 10 games. And that just goes to show we're starting to get that level of consistency that previously we, we haven't had. And I think there will be dips because this is a young squad, there's going to be dips. It's not going to be smooth sailing, and I think we just have to remember this high that we're on at the moment. When the chips are down a little bit, because there's there's something brewing here. There's something special you feel within this squad, and it's uh, hopefully going to see us home. But we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, obviously, Leicester on uh, on Sunday, which you've uh, you've touched on. Um, I, I I do think you should share with our listeners. Your uh, conundrum for Saturday night, actually.
1: <laughs> What's my conundrum?
0: Your conundrum—the one you asked me off air about.
1: <laughs> oh right,
0: <laughs> I totally forgot because I was lining up a
1: quiz question for you. Yeah, oh, I
0: can't wait for the quiz question after this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was gonna—I was gonna ask you. Um, well, I did ask you. You know, I, I'm I'm living around the corner from Boramwood. They took a—they took a bit of a beating last night away at the hands of Ryan Reynolds' Wrexham. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that
1: was fun to say. Um, <laughs> and they've got Chesterfield, top of the table clash, and, and Borumwood's uh striker from last season, Kabongo Chamanga, uh, left in the summer for Chesterfield. Um, it's very much a six-point um, clash, kicking off ten minutes before the Man U Spurs game. And, and you know, I'm undecided whether I'd enjoy that more, a high-standard National League game, or put my through the stress and, 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 you know, pain, um, inevitable pain of of Man U Spurs. I could watch neither, of course, and spend time with, you know, friends and family alike, but um, I suspect it's between (laughs) two options. We'll see whether she listens. Um, I'll make a comment here. If you listen to this, um, we'll do something instead. Let's see what happens.
0: Um... <laughs> Put the ball firmly in her court. So she has to listen, and then she gets a nice night in the town. But if she doesn't listen, you'll go to Boreham Woods,
1: yeah? <laughs> well, the thing is, as well, these headphones, I'm li- I've got in cancel out noise. Could be in the room. She could be in the room. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, very so yeah, what, what do you? What would you recommend?
0: I would recommend going to the Wood game because I just think there's too much stress for us within the Man United Tottenham game. So I would suggest going to the Wood game. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about what you were doing this weekend because obviously I've got a very very special weekend lined up as uh, as you. You, as you well know, Andre. So I'm gonna just gonna share that. So it was my dad's seventieth um, about a week ago. And my dad has always, uh, for some reason, decided that he is a Hoffenheim fan uh, in the Bundesliga. So he's always just had an affinity with this side, just because I think because it's a really small town. I think only about 3,000 people live there. It's really, really tiny. But they're obviously in the top tier of German football. And my dad has always said, right, one day me and you, Tom, will go there. We'll go there. And I thought for his 70th, I'll see if I can figure out how to do it, but particularly with COVID restrictions, it's very, very difficult. But I have planned it. We are going to fly out to Germany on Friday, go to the Hoffenheim game on Saturday, fly back Sunday morning in time to watch the Arsenal-Leicester game on Sunday afternoon. So it's going to be a very whirlwind weekend. I'm going to be very tired by the time it gets to the Leicester game, but I'm, I'm very excited about it and it will be another stats for Groundhopper, hopefully.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's brilliant. Sounds sounds like a, a lot of fun. I must say, very jealous. Very jealous. Um,
0: yeah. Quiz no, question. Good. Right, come on, quiz question. Well,
1: well quiz question. But I was going to say, obviously, I was thinking about your European travel, and I can't not bring this up, because obviously, since we last spoke, we've had everything we've had with sadly the war, but but the football context of Abramovich, and all I wanted to to, to sort of will ask you, tell you, chat to you about, is, and I, I suppose really, because when I was 14, 13, 14, when Abramovich came in, and Arsenal and Man U, peak of their powers, and, and everyone still says, really, that was, that was by far the best the Premier League probably has been, and Abramovich came in, and I honestly think his influence on football has made it by far the worst it could have ever been. We were already exploding into life at that point. The money was always coming. It was already the best league. It was already where all the best players wanted to be. He, incre- he, he inflated players' wages. He inflated their egos. He inflated tickets off the pitch. He made a club that has nothing to do with anything to do with success one of the most successful in the world. And he did this with money that would be illegally obtained if he were a an English resident. Now, a lot's coming out about Russia, as we all know at the moment. Um, and I've been doing a lot of reading about Abramovich and, and his connections to Putin. And uh, of course, you've got the Everton piece with Uzumanov as well, who was close to our club. And I suppose really forget all the politics aside, My most hated thing and all you need to know about Chelsea as a fan base, as a club, is that their fans sang about Roman Abramovich while the rest applauded for the victims in Ukraine. And I feel like that sums up everything that's wrong with football, to be honest, because to have someone who's had that influence in a way that is so damaging to, to, you know, people like you or I, if we were Russian... To have influenced our game and put them at the, the the sort of made them the number one London club is heartbreaking and it always will be. And I hope he gets out of there and I hope they get given someone I get the worst owner in the world and return back to what they they deserve to be. I mean, really, I do. Nothing would give me greater satisfaction. I I, I hate Tottenham because we're trained to hate them and it's just a rivalry but Chelsea are the worst club in the fucking planet. So, you know, I just wanted to get that off my chest, clearly. But, you know, you you got any uh, opposing views to Chelsea? You want to back them up at all?
0: (laughs) Not even even a little bit. Um, Now... I wanted
1: to ask you, can I just ask you one thing? Do you think we're adversely affected as Arsenal fans because they somewhat replaced us at the worst time to hating Chelsea? Because... Not a lot of my friends or people I speak to care anywhere near as much as I do because I just feel they cheated. I'll always feel like that. But do you feel like that, or is it Arsenal fans? What do you think?
0: No, I do feel like that, but at the same time, um, I just I, I you look at things that Chelsea as a club do, as their, their supporters do, and I, I I don't know how as anyone who isn't a Chelsea fan can think anything else of them because they are just. Like that summed them up the other day. Like you said, the chanting of Roman Abramovich's name whilst everyone was um, applauding the victims of the Ukraine war—it's um, horrible. It's 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 really really horrible. And I just I don't understand what was going through the minds of those people. And I, I've been on Twitter and seen people say, "Oh, I was a minority. Well, it didn't sound like a minority." um it sounded like quite a substantial section of that away and we're seeing that mm-hmm. um and it's it's it really that really upset me the other day actually because it's just yet another example of people not getting it and obviously i know you know more about this topic than i do um and you've done a lot more research on the topic than i do so i'm not going to sort of jump in with my with 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 much else but I I do agree with you. And I do think there is an element of they did kind of replace us. So that's why we've maybe feel as, as hurt about it as we do. But equally, like I've just said, I think they do some awful things and they've got an awful, awful owner. And obviously not from their perspective, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, but I just, I don't, I don't get it. And the sooner he's gone, the better. And like you said, I hope they get an awful owner. And I hope they're really brought that really down to earth.
1: Agreed. Agreed. All right. On a lighter note, it's, it's not so much a quiz question as a prediction. Okay. Uh, seeing as we've only got Premier League games left, and of course we didn't score in the FA Cup, right? So when people quote these goal statistics, they literally mean who did we score against when we battered teams in the Carabao, right? So don't really care about those goals. Currently, our top scorer, Emil Smithrow with nine, Saka with eight, Martinelli five, Odegaard five, Abamiang four, Lacazette three, Gabriel three, Pepe Tierney, Party, all with one each. But who do you think is going to finish our top scorer this season?
0: I think, and how well, many? I think Bakaya Saka. I think he'll <laughs> I think he'll overtake. Um Smith Rowe, um and do you say Saka's on eight at the moment?
1: Saka eight,
0: Smith Rowe nine. <laughs> I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say that he's. I reckon he's going to get another four goals between the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> just, just let you know. We, I think we've got
1: eleven games left.
0: Someone's got to score the goals in the game They do. We think we're winning. They do, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hedge my bets here and say Lacazette will get a few. But I think he's he's way too, way too. Far have you off been watching run. Alex Lacazette? Yes, yes, I have. But I, like <laughs> you with Cedric Suarez, what what do you think Cedric's going to be our top goal scorer? <laughs> Fair point. Um, it's hard. It's really really hard. I think I think Saka. Um, will overtake, and I think I'd like to think he'll get more than four goals. But it's very, it's it's so hard to see. Um, I think if we could get to a point where Emil Smith Rowe is in double digits and Saka's in double digits, and we've got Martin Eddy's on five, isn't he? So mm-hmm. that's yeah. maybe a tall order. But it'd be lovely if he could get up there as well. Um, I think it's going to have to be a case of spreading the goals around. Um, I think Odegaard will get a few. Um.
1: All right. Actually, let me let me let me rephrase part of the question for you. Actually,
0: oh, go on then.
1: Who do you think is going to score the most goals between now and the end of the season? Oh, that's
0: a that's an awful question. <laughs> um, Cedric, <laughs> no, you can't have my answer. <laughs> um, I think I've got a feeling it might be Martinelli. I think he's going to go on a bit of a run. I think that goal on Sunday was uh, was was the one for him, and I think he's going to go on a bit of a run. So between now and the end of the se- season, I'm going to be optimistic and say him, and he's going to get dropped on Sunday, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what
1: I believe in, which is I think um, Emil Smith Rowe will finish our top scorer, but I think I think Lacazette will get one. And it, it, he'll he'll notch another five.
0: I think, well, that would be very, very handy if he could start scoring now.
1: He, he needs to. And I think um, the other... I think um, Eddie's going to get a couple and Pepe's going to add another couple off the bench. And and that's uh, and be- um, Benny White-White-White is uh, due a goal as well.
0: He is. He is. Um, it'd be lovely if he could get on the score sheet. Given the uh, the new song that he, uh, he I got have to the, say, Sunday. when he
1: when he hit that volley, I thought it was going in, um, and I was so excited to sing about Benny White White White. I, <laughs> it would have gone off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love football. I I bloody love football. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, oh dear. Okay. on I that note, to on to the next. On that note, um, we'll bring the podcast to a close. Andre, it's been a, a pleasure as always. I really just love doing these podcasts with you. And uh, although we sometimes struggle to fit in times to do it, when we do, it's always so much fun to do. Absolutely. Same to you, my friend. And uh, yeah, on to Sunday, up the gunners. Up the gunners. <laughs> up the gunners. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to see what we're up to on social media, which is... uh. Fairly inactive, I must say, but we'll, uh, we'll work on that. Um, then you can check us out on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook by searching for The Boys in Red and White. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.